Welcome to Am I Famous Yet? Memoir of a Working Class Rockstar, where I explore the trials and tribulations of being a full-time freelance professional musician in this crazy business we call show. My name is Ivan Funkboy Bodley, and I'll be your host, endeavoring to entertain you with my tales from the road, because sometimes you have to laugh to keep from crying. Am I Famous Yet? is available as a podcast wherever you get fine podcasts, a YouTube series, and even as an actual book in hardcover, softcover, and Kindle editions on Amazon. Links for all of these, including my social media, can be found at my website, www.funkboy.net, F-U-N-K-B-O-Y.net. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and review it, as these things really do help other people find the show. So grab your bass, tune up, and let's hit the road. Welcome to Am I Famous Yet? I'm Ivan. This is chapter 42, entitled Epilogue. I think we've all learned something here today. There's an old joke that goes, I didn't get into the show business for the money, and so far it's working out. Clearly, if just making money were my focus, I would have gone into finance or lawyering, doctoring, or some such. A life in the arts can be a wonderful way to achieve self-expression, but it's a tough road to hoe. You really have to want it. You almost have to feel the way I did when I quit my lucrative burgeoning record company career. I felt I had no choice. There was nothing else in my life I really wanted to do. I felt that somehow, whatever the sacrifices were going to be, anything would be better than rotting behind a desk trying to sell someone else's dreams to people who weren't in the market for them. In a very real sense, My deciding to play music for a living was basically chasing the applause I heard at the talent show that night in the high school gymnasium for the rest of my life. It's a search for acceptance. In my case, it doesn't feel like a continual search for rabid adulation or complete idol worship. It's a much milder pursuit to me. It's more like just trying to find a place where I am merely tolerated and allowed to be myself. I enjoy when people appreciate my work. But at this point, if I get a compliment for one of 10 gigs, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Most gigs we do are just working for a living, punching the clock, dance, monkey, dance. There are many more type of these gigs than the other rock star stuff, which is fine. That's how it's supposed to work. It takes thousands of hours of preparation to get ready for those three minutes on TV. It takes about 10 years to become an overnight sensation. I've been playing the bass for over 38 years. That means, Either I've become an overnight sensation three and a half times, or I'm doing something wrong. Of course, it means nothing of the kind. Fame is completely down to luck, maybe even more than ability or native talent. Fame is relative, fame is fleeting, fame is selective. The real question is, am I enjoying enjoying the journey? I am. I've played with famous people. I've had my name in magazines, on theater marquees, and on album covers. I've done a lot of famousy stuff, but I'm not quite sure, but I am quite sure that I am by no means truly famous, even if I may be well known among certain New York City bartenders, for example. It comes down to a decision about how you want to live your life. Do you want to spend your time doing something you enjoy or something that you hate that might or might not pay you more money? I've had office jobs, I've had music industry jobs, but I kind of hit the wall with all of that. I realized there was nothing else I really wanted to do other than play the dang bass for a living. It was a jarring and terrible revelation when it finally came to me. The odds of being able to even pay your rent, much less be famous while doing it, are pretty small. 
it's an uphill battle every day trying to keep focused on music and creativity while also making sure you're able to pay the light bill. When people ask me for advice about getting into the, into the industry or becoming a professional musician, I invariably advise them to do anything else if they possibly can. Between the successes, there's almost too much heartache and self-degradation to have made it all worthwhile. There are so many other easier paths to choose in life. Life on the road is also a very lonely experience. I was a lonely kid growing up, mostly without friends until maybe my senior year of high school when I finally found friendship with my fellow drama nerds and the dudes in that first talent show band. There are a lot of hard miles spent by yourself on planes and buses going to unknown destinations to meet up with strangers. Even when traveling with groups, I'm often a substitute player in the band, so they aren't truly my companions. I have a lot of professional colleagues these days. I have very few friends. Being a freelance mercenary requires that, that level of independence. I guess I was groomed for it by never having had much of a social network to count on when I was a kid. If people asking my advice are resolute in their desire to pursue music the way I was all those years ago, I tell them that they need to work hard, show up on time, be a nice person, and hope for those rare lucky breaks. That's the only way. One cannot plan for fame, but one can aspire to be a solid working craftsperson if that's the intent. A career never goes the way you think it's going to go. You can dream about it and work toward goals all you want, it's just going to come out differently from what you originally thought it would be, guaranteed. You can only go through the doors that are open. Sure, you can knock, but if they still don't open, you're going to have to choose another path. Sometimes the reality you end up with is better than what you could have imagined, but it's always different from what you envisioned. I've been a full-time professional musician for 25 years. I've been semi-pro for closer to 28 years, and I've had a bass guitar in my hand in some fashion for over 38 years now. I guess it's working out. I would play music anyway, even if it didn't pay my rent or afford me these brief glimpses into the lifestyles of the rich and famous. What would my being rich or famous fix? That's the big question, the core issue. It would fix nothing. I've seen it up close. The richest dude I ever hung out with was also the most miserable person I ever met. He literally drank himself today to death over on over a fifth of vodka a day. The most famous people I've ever met don't seem particularly well adjusted to me. They seem more preoccupied with staying famous than, than with creating the art that made them famous. Being a superstar seems to require the desire to become famous by crushing everyone else around you, as in, this town ain't big enough for the two of us. That's an exhausting way to live. It sure is lucky that I don't have any of that cursed money or any of that awful fame to drag me down. Now I can continue to concentrate on playing Motown cover tunes and getting on with my life, being the envy of everyone in the catering hall at the wedding. The only problem is that my self-esteem seems directly tied to my immediate employment. I don't sit still well or take time off comfortably. That nagging voice in the back of my head saying, you ain't shit, is still there. I know it's not real. I know it's a vestigial echo from the distant past, but it's still there. It has grown fainter over time, for sure. I was carrying my bass on my back and my amp on a luggage cart in the subway one day a couple of years ago, as I often do. That day, I got randomly approached to be photographed and featured on the website Humans of New York. The caption under my photo, which was based on what I told the photographer in our three-minute discussion was, quote, I find it really hard to feel a sense of accomplishment in retrospect. 
No matter what I achieve, my self-worth always seems to be tied to the next booking." End quote. There is just some crater in my personality that craves acceptance, craves, craves love. The crater is probably from the meteor that hit me sometime around my parents' divorce, but uh, there was an asteroid shower of damaging hits that came from so many quarters during my formative years. It's impossible to pin it all on one single event like that. Acceptance feels like it can come from rooms full of complete strangers standing and applauding. It gives an instant replay of the initial endorphin rush of that gymnasium full of classmates who actively hated me, though it, it was only temporary. The kids at school went right on to hazing me the very next morning. Being a descendant of the narcissistic maternal line of my family, with the instantaneous and constantly changing judgments, this felt normal in a way. Having acceptance thrust upon me and then almost immediately removed again was par for the course. Fortunately, the crater in my soul isn't as deep these days as it once was. Years of therapy helped fill it in quite a bit. Having a loving partner for the past seven years has been amazing too. Eventually, I hope to come to the internal conclusion that just being me is good enough, is a good enough thing to be. All the applause or all of the money in the world won't really make me feel better about myself. Some days I'm closer to this state of mind than others. It's gotten a lot better later in my life than when I was an angry young man. Now I'm just a mildly perturbed middle-aged dude with nothing really left to prove. Three years ago, I even managed to buy a New York City apartment with nickels and dimes that I had saved up from over two decades of wedding gigs. How many, you ask? I estimate that my apartment cost exactly 1,053 Russian wedding gigs, or 1,843 oldies gigs, or 1,340 Broadway gigs, however you want to combine those. My actual career has been a mix of everything. Let's just say that it took a while. All this was made possible by buying that $425 base with my summer dishwashing money. I still have that base. At the end of it all, at the core, I really like to play the Fender bass. In fact, the only place I believe I have a shot at feeling comfortable is on a stage with a bass guitar in my hands. There are no guarantees of happiness, of course. There are so many factors that can put a damper on an evening, like a band leader throwing a tantrum, a drunk girl screaming at the top of her lungs two feet away from my head all night thinking she was singing, an idiot blowing with all of his might into a harmonica that's in the wrong key in the front row who refused to take it out of his pie hole all stinking night. All of that happened last Thursday night, by the way. Because being on stage is the only time I have a shot at being at ease with myself, it is also one of the only places I get emotional. On stage is the only place where I lose my temper. If someone is being careless with the music that I so dearly love, it can make me see red. It's disrespectful to the audience, to the artists that we're backing, to everyone in the band, and to the music itself. The only time I ever physically pushed a dude was when a drummer was fucking up the groove thinking that he was telling some kind of musical joke. It sent me into a rage. But I'm a dyed-in-the-wool pacifist. Besides that one palm to the drummer's chest, I never laid a, a hand on another human being in anger. He might have had it coming, however, but he knew me, knew my personality, and knew what a pushover he was. He just laughed when I pushed him. That's exactly what he should have done. My rage was comic and how misplaced it was. I, get, I got more offended by someone intentionally misplacing an eighth note than I would have if they had actually murdered, murdered my family. Perspective, folks. I apologize to him. He and I are still friends. Meanwhile, I continued to ride down the highway in my used Hyundai Elantra that I'm prouder of than any possible fancy car anyone else owns. 
I don't covet expensive automobiles. I do value my freedom, which owning a car in New York signifies. It also demonstrates my ability to be self-motivated and to get to the gig on time. I've long maintained that what the successful New York City wedding band musician most needs is a tuxedo and a car. It's not the Jersey Turnpike that keeps me, keeps me going, nor are toll booths where I aspire to be, but I like driving my own car. Many years ago, I was wondering out loud to a blind date whom I had just met and who had come to see me at a gig. I said I didn't feel that playing in the house band at a blues jam session at a bar at 3 a.m. for drunks seemed like a lofty pursuit or even a remotely artistic one. She quickly corrected me by saying that music unites people in a very special way. Even for a short time, a room full of strangers can be bound together in a common experience through sound and through participating in a live performance just by listening and reacting. It was kind of a hippy-dippy way of looking at it. She also reeked of patchouli oil, so I shouldn't have been surprised, but she had a point. Though the blind date didn't work out, that conversation has stayed with me for decades. I hear it echoing around in the back of my head often. I constantly remind myself of those very kind words from that kind stranger. All I do is not for naught. Even if one person finds encouragement or solace from listening to me play, that's a good day. If I can accomplish that for my annual average of 228 gigs per calendar year, I will officially have had more good days than bad. And that's worth something, isn't it? Thank you.